0: Hi, this is Timothy Zahn, author of Thrawn, and you're listening to Execute Chapter 66.
1: Hello, and welcome to Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we discuss canon, legends, and beyond. Tonight, we are picking back up with the Rogue Squadron series with book two, Wedges Gamble, by Michael Stackpole. My name is Beth Van Dusen, and with me, as always, are Ryan Schweck and Chad J. Schonk. Over to you, Chad.
2: This is your reminder that this is a book club and not a review show. We are going to spoil this very old book. In addition, over the course of our conversation, we may spoil anything else Star Wars. That has been your spoiler warning. Ryan, what do you you got?
0: Well, in the news section this week, we're coming off the holiday week as we enter the Life Day season. There hasn't been a whole lot of news. Just on the Lucasfilm side, even though Andor is over, we have got the first two episodes of Willow out. If you haven't seen them, and it sounds like a lot of people aren't watching it, It's good. It's really good.
2: It just came uh, out today. Give us a chance.
0: (laughs) Of course, if you're like me, I spent like the first like episode, at least just muttering to myself, (laughs) Willow, just the whole time. (laughs) Yeah. Over on the toy side uh, today, they announced and put up for pre-order all of the second wave of the 40th anniversary of the Return of the Jedi toys. Still no Mr. Nub.
2: I know. Quit. Um. I looked.
0: Yeah, and it's stuff we knew. There's nothing new. It's Pivo and Bit Fortuna and yeah, all them.
2: Wicket Paplu.
0: Yeah. Um, interesting though, not all the way Star Wars, but definitely related to collecting. Dorkside Toys, which is one of the pretty major collectors' stores, apparently is in some deep trouble. They have pulled a bunch of their website down. They got their PayPal got revoked. They're not answering emails. They're not refunding people. So if you collect using Dorkside, just a heads up, you may want to try to get your money back before they run with it.
2: <laughs> really?
0: Yeah, which is a shame because they were one of the, I mean, they were one of the best places to buy Star Wars stuff.
1: And uh, they have... Yeah, I got my Bo-Katan super cheap from them. Yeah. Yeah, and it,
0: it just happened... Pretty suddenly. And apparently their owner has escaped to another state. Like he's, he's wow. on the run.
2: Did yeah. Elon Musk buy the website?
0: <laughs> Dork side toys. Maybe so. Uh, other toy news. Just if you're out and about this holiday season and looking uh, and are interested in lightsabers, uh, Ross has <laughs> Ross dress for less. Your source for star Wars collecting. Um, <laughs> apparently has a bunch of the nice, Force FX lightsabers for like fifty or sixty bucks. If you want, I'll be back. Head over there and look <laughs> for those. People have found Desaad Ventress. They found Rays. Um,
2: they found the Ray right one.
0: Yeah, I went today and didn't find any. Oh, I hate Ross so much. It's so gross. But damn it. And then just a final bit of news that we will talk about much more soon. Uh, Convergence, the first adult novel in the High Republic phase has come out and just wanted to throw that in there because we have all read it. And I will say if you plan on reading it and have not read it yet, you definitely need to read path of destruction before you read convergence or listen to the episode. And it's not path of
2: destruction. It's path of um, whatever it is. Deception.
0: Deception. I always say destruction. I think I did that on the episode too.
2: That's because it's Darth. That's because it's, a Darth Bane, that's it's a Darth the Darth Bane. That's the Darth Bane
0: book. Bane book. It's, it's what I think of when I think of books. Yes. Uh, Path of Deception. But yeah, it, it's a it's a much bigger tie-in this time around. And I don't think you can really appreciate Convergence unless you've read it. So
2: it, it will definitely help. I I've already read Convergence so much, so I've already read Convergence so wholly that I've already forgotten it.
0: Nice. <laughs> I'm gonna
2: have to read it again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Slow news week. What's I think there's more comics this week, though.
2: Uh, yeah, we have a few. We have uh, Star Wars Revelations number no. one by Mark Guggenheim and a plethora of artists. This is a one shot. It reads more like an annual or, a, or like a primer book for those who want to start reading Star Wars comics, especially Hidden Empire. It's, kind of, it's like a kind of a setup for Hidden Empire. It spans over all of the current books, giving you a few pages with the most important characters. Not sure if it's essential reading, but if you're reading all the other books, I mean, you know, there's some new stuff in there. So, But it it feels like a good entry point book. I think that's what they're trying to do. I'm not sure why, but that's what it feels like. I don't know. Ryan, what did you think it felt like?
0: I mean, it, it reads, if you've been reading comics for a while, they, Marvel was big into doing them. Where free comic book day, they would put out these issues that were kind of snippets of the books to come to kind of show yeah. you like the setup of what these new books were going to be. And that's kind of what this was. Like it showed you how Afra was going to tie in. Oh boy, more spark of the, whatever it is. spark eternal. eternal. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it was fine. Like you said, it, it's definitely just a, Hey, here's where all the books are, which makes sense. Yeah. I guess if you don't read, all of the Star Wars books and say, you're just reading like the main book. Maybe
2: you, maybe you want to read hidden empire or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, things like you said, like the spark eternal looks like it's going to play into hidden empire. More than I thought, at least.
2: So we've got uh Yoda number one by Kevin Scott and Nico Leon. Um, It's the first of a 10 issue series. It's kind of like the Obi-Wan book where we have Yoda sitting on Dagobah reminiscing about the past, but unlike the Obi-Wan book, uh, it looks like it's going to tell stories over multiple issues as opposed to flashback of the month. Um, I would be totally down for this being an ongoing, by the way, because we got 900 years to work with. So why not, you know, go buck wild?
0: I, it, I wonder what they're going to do with this book. Because they can't go too far back without. They go messing, pretty far back. Do they? Yeah. Like High Republic back or before that?
2: Before the High Republic. Huh. Oh. Yeah. You get to see a whole Jedi council that you've never seen before. Okay. Like an ancient Jedi council. It's, it's vague about how far back, but no, this is pre-High pre, pre uh, High Republic. Speaking of High Republic, High Republic Adventures Returns, uh, now published by Dark Horse, written by Daniel Jose Older with art by Tony Bruno. We meet a new protagonist, a Padawan named Sav Maligan, who lives at the Jedi Temple on Takudana and who likes sneaking out at night and hanging out with the riffraff at Maz's castle. Uh, being that at the age of 15, she's very over being a Jedi. Uh, it wasn't bad. it be interesting to see where it goes. It's a Jedi like we've never seen before. It's an interesting character. Uh, it also has an appearance by a dashing-looking Dexter Jetster, who I did not realize was that old until today. And then Darth Vader number 29 by Pac and Luke Ross. The Handmaidens work with Ochi, who also wants Sabe out of Vader's service. Meanwhile, Sabe is on a mission to assassinate Wat Tambor's grandson, Jewel. I'm not so sure I like what they're doing to Sabe. I'm I... hoping it I'm, I'm hoping it pays off as an interesting way, but they've taken her down a pretty dark path that doesn't really feel in character, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, I I don't love that new armor that they showed.
2: It, they're really making her into like Lady Vader.
0: Yeah. And I, mean, I, I was don't... cool with it while it was like Sabe kind of going along with it, but still not trusting vader like you know kind of means to an end kind of stuff
2: and i'm sure they'll pull out some kind of redemption out of it mm-hmm. but right now i'm just feeling a little like i don't know i i'm not I, I don't know if i'm at the end of the day i'm gonna appreciate this use of the character but we'll see The book we read tonight takes place on Coruscant, the capital of um, st- the Star Wars galaxy. And uh, Star Wars gets a lot of good-natured ribbing for uh, every planet just being one thing. You know, uh, Tatooine is a desert. Dagobah's a swamp. And so we thought we'd take a minute to just talk about some of our other favorite planets in the Star Wars galaxy, whether they are monoclimatic planets. I don't think that's a word or not, but just some of the some of the places that uh, that the stories have taken us throughout the years that we that we enjoy visiting.
1: Okay, hear me out. I, I understand that books and comics and shows have tried to give us worlds that are more than one thing. But the movie said, no, no. Worlds are just one thing. And I actually thought Crate was visually very striking and we had not seen a mineral planet before it's usually either water or it's ice or it's jungle it's it's a thing but it's not a mineral thing this was a salt planet that also had going for it it had like what what looked like evolutions of eevee the pokemon so it had crystal pokemon and salt
2: i have created on my list
0: yeah. I visually it just looked visually. the red the red yeah. sand or whatever it
1: was. Salt. I think it's yeah. it's salt. It's
2: salt. salt. Yeah. yeah. They literally have a guy taste it and go salt. Oh yeah.
1: But the yeah. the image of the the white with the red streaks going yeah. through it when the gliders come over it, that's beautiful. And yeah. it's got Pokemon.
2: It does have Pokemon.
1: <laughs> and the first one I thought of and probably just because I
0: had recently seen it on Andor. I like now that on uh, Nacadia, Nacadia, the new yeah. planet we've seen, the reserve planet. <laughs> like, Resort planet, yeah. We've always seen like you know these planets we see like normal cities and stuff. No, it's just like the sandals of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> However, if you loiter, you will go to jail for six years. Don't be <laughs> for, no forever. <a> yes. <laughs> <Yeah>, well. <laughs> well, they tell you six years. Yeah.
2: Used to be six months. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, I, I, I liked it, it. was such a good, like, we're so used to, like, you know, going into do this spaceport and, like, seeing all this stuff. And then they get to that planet, and it was like, oh, look, it's an all-inclusive result, resort. That's nice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the first one I'll probably bring up is uh, in 1994 with the release of the courtship of Princess Leia, Dave Wolverton introduced us to a planet called Dathomir.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, it gave us... Force witches riding rancors, which is probably the most metal thing that Star Wars had done at that point. It has since gone undergone a little bit of a transformation. The Night Sisters were a big thing in the EU, but they got they've become a lot more important now in new canon. And uh, it's a hell of a level in video games usually mm, to usually. get through. <laughs> to get through,
0: stupid bow and arrow, Knight brother.
2: And it's also really important when it comes to the creation of Darth Maul and savage Press and all that stuff and it's it's a place with a pretty tragic history mm-hmm. but four is writing rancors
1: so when i picture dathomir i don't picture the dathomir of uh, fallen order i picture yeah. dathomir of the clone wars the clone wars and that's yeah. what i wanted from a level in the fallen order uh but i didn't get that i got dudes Knight brothers with bow and arrow Okay, so I know that Schweck talks a lot about his love of Plocoon, but did anybody know that I really used to love Kit Fisto? Because I did. I did not. Beth loves the Fisto. You know, it's the name that got me. Also, that big, like the giant black eyes with the big stupid smile.
0: I don't like eye blinks;
1: makes me uncomfortable. <laughs>
2: he is very he is very disconcerting looking.
1: he is but he's got this it's it's more him in the movies that sucked me into the the Kit Fisto fan club and then when he showed up in the Clone Wars and actually had a personality I was like man I don't care it was just the visual of him in the movie with the big like stupid smile with the giant black eyes. yeah there's
2: that moment in Attack of the Clones right yes. where he gives that smile
1: yeah. yes it was real stupid and, and it made me laugh so I I put down his home world of Glee Anselm because it's also the home world of uh Woody Harrelson
2: it's where he's gonna go, uh it's where he's gonna go learn to play the valacord.
1: Exactly.
2: That's a good one. I did not know about your Kit Festo. Y- used to. Fandom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not I mean, I've never been as hardcore as Schweck is with the Plocoon. It's not a ride or die. I mean, when Kisto Kit Festo looks at the camera and smiles. Oh, it's so funny, <laughs> I
0: know, though. I, I know. Loved it. <laughs> we have tried. The prequels have done their you know best to have a comeback, but God, Attack of the Clones is just garbage. (laughs) Uh, My next one is home to the most beautiful woman in the world. (laughs) And that would be Naboo. Um, I really liked the design of Naboo. I think it's the first time we saw a planet, visually anyway, that was like lush and like, it was beautiful. Like yeah. with the waterfalls and they did a really good job with the architecture of it, you know, kind of the uh, Italian, I guess, influence. Oh,
2: well, that palace is a real place. Yeah. That they shot in.
0: And just uh, the visuals of Naboo with the lakes and everything made for a really good planet and then having the kind of dichotomy with the gunkins living underwater in a swamp. And yeah, I like Naboo.
2: I uh, I remember thinking watching the movies the first time through that that's what I thought Alderaan must have looked like. Yeah, when they gave us Naboo, I was like, this is what Alderaan was, and it's it's not that far off from from what the Alderaan that we've now seen at least a little bit of. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I was, like, I was like, oh, if he was going to give us Alderaan, this is kind of what it would be.
1: My favorite thing is that they don't have sand. They don't have sand, but lakes are gross. Yeah, lakes are nasty.
2: Not there, but they're, well, I don't know. The Gungans probably swim in them. And...
1: Yeah, they poop the lakes in. are muddy on the bottom. There's and Gungan poop
0: in those, those things. <laughs>
2: <laughs> probably. How
0: do you think the Gungans can go to the bathroom? Do they, <laughs> Does Jar Jar just, like, drop a deuce while he's swimming Kind of floats up?
2: What do fish do? What do frogs yeah. do? You ever see a frog taking a shit? I have not.
0: (laughs) That's why why the Gungans, even though they can breathe in water, have those force fields because their lake's full of poop.
2: Um, I guess the next one I'll pull up is uh, Mandalore. Um, I know everybody's a little sick of Mandalorians, but um, the – what they were able to do with Mandalore on the Clone Wars and on Rebels and kind of – it's got one of the richest histories Mm -hmm. of any of the planets, I would say, in the galaxy as far as like uh, – there's a real history to it. There's more that we have yet to see with the purge, and uh, it gave us a lot of great characters like Bo Katan and Pre Vizsla and um, and Satine.
0: I'd say, even though I'm kind of over a lot of the Mandalorian stuff, yeah, I am looking forward to seeing Mandalore in season three. Yes,
2: yeah, it's been you know it's been a while since we've seen it, and I mean, I guess it was the end of Clone Wars seven, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the last time we saw it, but um. It had a, a different history in the expanded universe, which was cool. But this new version of it with the, the kind of the battle between the peace loving Mandalorians and the Death Watch and mm-hmm. all this stuff, I think has been really interesting, really fun.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I understand people being sick of Mandalore and Mandalorians and whatnot, but there is more story to tell there for, for those of us who want it. And I personally want it. So we've already talked about one world where... Its video game counterpart was disappointing. So I will throw in Felucia Mm. because that was a really good level in uh, Force Unleashed. And in the movies, that world looks like uh, you took a bunch of uh, hallucinogenics and wandered into a forest where everything is enormous.
0: It looks like a blacklight poster. Yes. It's all (laughs) psychedelic trippy colors.
2: It is very blacklight. It is very color storm.
0: I imagine a lot of people driving windowless vans with murals (laughs) painted on the side around Fallujah.
1: With, like, whatever kind of, what would be a wolf on Fallujah, like, airbrushed onto the van?
0: No, you know who it is. It's uh, uh what's his name? Uh Jason Jace, Jesus or I can't think of his name right now from Air of the Empire. It's him with his robe open and his medallion on the side of oh. sweet wizard. Oh J- uh, Joris. Oh, Joris, Joris, yeah, yeah, Joris.
1: <laughs> oh yes, with it So mm-hmm. you're doing the the um the cover art with the the yeah, yeah. wide open uh-huh. and the force lightning.
2: And probably, he's probably like,
1: howling at a moon while he's doing all of that. A big, like, fierce-looking tuca cat,
0: <laughs> almost like a tiger. Uh, let's see. I had two more. Which one do I want to pick? I think for my last one, I'm gonna go with Lothal.
2: Lothal, okay,
0: yeah. Like I, it, it, I thought Lothal was so interesting, just because it started as kind of this insignificant kind of place, right, where he didn't want to be there and he wanted to get out and kind of had Luke Skywalker. And then by the end, like, Lothal ends up being a pretty important place, you know, with all the different kind of Jedi stuff and obviously the, the TIE thing. But there's such good images of Lothal, like with what the Empire did to it and then how it came back, like those scenes that mirror from the first episode of Rebels, to the last episode and you kind of yeah. see how they came back and the designs of the this buildings they do are really cool. I like how
1: everything is loath something. Loath cats yeah. and loath wolves.
2: And- <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. It's like our earth cats and our earth wolves.
1: Because <laughs> that's what we call them, right?
0: It's the Batman 66 of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> <laughs> Just add that to is that that something.
2: Right yeah, you go to the loath computer <laughs> The last one I'll bring up, I'll go to to an obvious one, but um, I wanted to mention Mustafar. Um, Mm -hmm. Since I was a little kid, I don't know how I knew this. I don't know how we all knew this because it wasn't in the movies. But since I was a little kid, we knew that Obi-Wan and Vader were going to fight and there was going to be lava involved. How did we all know I don't know.
0: It's just something you always knew. They had a fight on a lava planet.
2: (laughs) Always knew it was a lava planet. Have no idea how we found that out. It's not in the movies. I have no idea.
0: Never thought about that. But yeah, it was just something that everybody just knew had happened.
2: Lucas must have said it in an interview or something, something or something. And so we finally see it in uh, Revenge of the Sith and uh, it's, it's Mustafar. And while I like the design of the planet, the, the battle between Obi-Wan and Anakin is, let's say, it's hit and miss for me. Mm-hmm. But what they've done with it since is what i've really enjoyed in rogue one we got to see it again and they told us that that's where vader's castle was they've hit it a lot in the comics there's and then the i've been there in the vr game Mm -hmm. um in the vader immortal vr game that tells you the whole history of the planet and lets you you actually fly you actually take your ship from atmosphere down to the planet and land at castle vader so you get this huge view of it with your droid played by Maya Rudolph.
0: I like the stuff that, you know, we didn't see in the movies, too. That it's not all lava. Like, there's these, like, ash forests, basically. And... Yeah.
2: Yeah, like we see in uh, Rise of Skywalker.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we just don't see it enough, I don't think.
2: No, I mean, you have no idea where you are in that in that scene. We only know because we know. But, like, if you watch the movie, you're no, you have no clue where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh except yeah, for
0: my idiot ass in the movie was like oh that's mustafar yeah. sure i pretty try to said it out loud
2: uh any honorable mentions or just ones that popped into your head
0: i had scarif on my list too and just because mm-hmm. i liked all the beach stuff and it gave us the shore troopers which i think is a really cool design i'm not sure what makes those outfits suitable for the beach but
2: <laughs> yeah why are those most suitable than other stormtrooper outfits there's
1: right. supportive webbing inside uh, I mean, like the snow trooper you look it. at, and you're
0: like, "Well, yeah, that's what a trooper would wear in the snow." I'm, I, I guess. guess. I guess. <laughs> I mean, it makes somewhat sense. I
2: guess. But- I had um, Nar Shaddaa, which is technically not a planet; mm-hmm. it's a moon. So a moon. now, now Huda and Nar Shadda coming from that—that that was from Dark Empire mm-hmm. when those were created a long time ago. Um, the Smuggler's Moon, kind of the 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 capital of the. Uh, a new world in Star Wars.
0: What's that? Oh, I, uh, what's it? I can never say it right. Uh, Bothawu, the Bothan homeworld, which we have not seen in a long time.
2: We haven't seen any Bothans in a long time.
0: Yeah, we're gonna talk about that tonight. It's <laughs> one of my notes.
2: Yeah, and new new canon is very Bothanless.
0: Hey, oh, um, that's my number one like note for this week's episode. Where did the Bothans go? We'll get to that conversation.
1: I just had Takadana because it's pretty, and Teth because uh, but Omar monks. They got temples there. We should see more Teth.
2: Yeah, I wrote down like Tython was always interesting Mm -hmm. to me. The two different depictions of it that we've seen we've we've seen two vastly different depictions of it from pre canon and then now. But um the the idea that there was a that the Jedi with the equivalent of a Jedi homeworld.
0: Yeah, I always uh, interested me Jedi Mm -hmm. on mine just because I'm we're gonna see more yeah Jedi soon. And kind of this, like ancient, yeah, this world that's pocketed with ruins and artifacts and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Like super technical speeder bike chases, then boy, this week we got the book for you. This week we'll be talking about Wedge's Gamble by Michael Stackpole, where the real gamble is how long before the New Republic makes some dumbass decisions. With Warlord Zinja testing the strength of the New Republic and pressure on the council to take Coruscant, Akbar and Freya devise a plan to retake the heart of the galaxy along with Rogue Squadron and new nepotism members Ariel Nub and Pash Cracking. <laughs> name is Pash
2: <laughs> Pash Kraken. Yep.
0: Pash Kraken um, of course phase one of the plan has to include bad decisions so they go do a prisoner release swap, swap on Kessel where they release members of the Black Sun cartel including leader Zekka and his girlfriend who is obviously going through some sort of stockholm syndrome but the republic just lets it roll the criminals are set free on imperial city to wreak havoc while members of rogue squadron conveniently get onto the planet somehow (laughs) and are broken into teams to go undercover to scout how to take down the shields so that the invasion can begin but surprise icard has a plan that involves developing the Kratos virus which the empire will release into the water poisoning only the aliens causing the republic to have to spend valuable resources when they turned coruscant over to the new republic our various heroes go on their missions meeting up with alien rights groups running into each other on a planet of trillions and uh shockingly had to deal with the repercussions of letting out black sun corin also sees Tycho, who is reported to be dead, and is now suspected of being a sleeper agent for Iceheart, after his time as a prisoner. As the timetable moves up, the Rogues are given two days to take down the shields, so along with the Alien Liberation Front and Black Sun, they take control of the Coruscant solar mirrors to boil all the water and make some storms to cut the power to the shields. After the betrayal of Zyka, and then killed by his lady, the rogues are able to fend off an aerial assault, use a giant construction jeweler to clear the way, and then use the mirrors to attack orbital space stations as the Republic takes the planet. Of course it was that easy. Too easy. And as the Republic celebrates knowing something is wrong, Korrin awakes from the battle to find himself the prisoner of Iceheart on his way to the prison planet to be used as a tool to take down his friends. Okay. Here's my number one note about this book. Clearly, Stackful knows. Well, he's horny. (laughs) He clearly knows at this point he's writing a series. Yes. And I think this book, and I like this book, but I think it suffers from the fact that now, instead of a single contained story, we're writing for the series.
2: Yeah, he knows he's doing four books.
1: Yeah.
2: And he's pacing it out Mm -hmm. over those four books.
1: And the pacing suffers because we spend, we spend a lot of time going over making plans and not actually executing the plans. They spend a lot of time making plans. It's weird how, you know, like I said, they
0: so they break up into the teams and you've got Koran, Koran with uh, Amiri, who, it's real weird. She just disappears. Like, she is one of the main characters of this book for like the first probably, what, half? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden she's just gone.
1: Well, and she, like, and Kor- she and Koran don't bang, so she has no further use. It's so
0: weird.
2: Is that a, is that a Reese? No, I
1: can uh, Yeah. A Reese.
0: Yeah. And she, yeah. you know, and there's clearly setting up all the back to queen stuff that will happen later with the back to war and the Kratos virus and all that. But again, like it's just stuff gets set up and then, you know, it's going to be two books down the line. And it feels like that. Corrin kind of suffers from it too. And that this is where we start getting the real hints that he's force sensitive. And it just, it's constant.
1: Yeah, he senses a lot of things.
0: Yeah. They're not very subtle.
2: He does, but they don't advance that story at all.
0: Not yet. Yeah, and it's the next book that he like really gets his Force stuff.
2: Yeah, that he starts yeah. to develop. Yeah. yeah,
0: when he's on Lucatasia or whatever it
1: is. Um,
2: the Lucienka, whatever, whatever yeah. it's called. I don't know.
1: What's so great about everybody's plans in this book is that they're so simple. Everybody's plans are so simple.
2: Well, their missions are very simple too, you know. Mm-hmm. Just observe and figure out how to take down Coruscant. Oh. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. You were right, you're right in your summary though. They do run into each other too much.
1: Age is It's crazy.
2: Yeah. The, it makes the planet feel well, incredibly small. At,
1: at one point they try to explain it. Cause somebody saying, Oh, well yeah, she would have known where, where they would go. Like, yeah. And there's still probably 5,000 other people in that one place. It just in that one spot, there's, there's many thousands of people at whatever, uh, what is it? The museum that she finds them at.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: You know, there's thousands and thousands of people in that museum, uh, so why would she just happen upon them there?
2: I, I can I can believe she can find them at the museum. I just can't believe she would know they were at the museum.
0: I had to go grab my book. I would just like say, if any authors are listening to this, please put the Germanus personae back in all the books because it it's helps. it's super helpful.
2: Yeah, I, I kind of wish uh, High Republic would do that.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I wish
2: I wish I could flip forward, just for a name and just go in with in a brief description of the character
0: uh-huh it, it really does help let's see what's our sh- okay so i think this is the first book where we hear about the Invisi-Sec and, and kind of the cordoning off of the aliens from the humans and kind of how they were i mean essentially putting them in the technical term of a ghetto and it did strike me, you know, and with Iceheart's plan of, you know, they're going to, the Kratos virus is only going to affect the aliens mm-hmm. and how they're, you know, doing experiments on the Gomorians and the Celestines and all that stuff. It, it, I forget sometimes, I think, the Nazi element of the Empire
2: yeah. is
0: something they've kind of gotten away from in new canon. Or uh, they
2: definitely don't. They definitely have.
0: Yeah. They don't go into it like they used to. Like
2: They're fascist, but they're not racist. Yeah. Anymore anymore. Yeah. At least not. I mean, the, the Empire is still primarily made of humans.
0: Yeah. Oh, it totally is.
2: You know, we're all watching Andor, there's no alien ISB agents mm-hmm. in those meetings, you know? So they they're, still are very human only club.
1: They're bigots, but they're not genocidal bigots.
2: They have they have pulled the they have eased off on that a little bit. That's true. yeah because in this it's very brutal
1: yeah yeah
2: it's very much it's very racist and it's very you know they're they're literally experimenting on sentient beings
1: mm-hmm. killing
2: them to create a disease that will kill just only aliens and not humans yeah they're very it's very brutal and it's not something that we would see today
0: Well and the you know with core and uh, Derrico, Like when they've got the solicit and Errol is with them and he's like, yeah, save the daughter and the mother just because we want to see what it does to a kid and like, I mean, it's rough, but on the other side too, you know, I mean, we talk about the empire and kind of the, the species stuff they did, but it was on the new Republic side in the EU too. Like, you know, the stuff with the Bothans. That was a big thing in the EU, that the Bothans, part of their kind of thing was, well, the humans shouldn't run everything. Yeah. Um, and they had that conversation even further with the uh, – when they meet the Alien Liberation people with um, – uh, how do you say her name? Ice Iser? Iser? So, Iser? The Bothan female. Yes. Right. And where they talk about in that bar with the rebellion, you know, that conversation about the humans, like it's humans that did all this, but we don't have a place for it. Like the council is mostly humans. And I mean, you have Akbar, but Akbar is the military. Like the New Republic is still run by humans. I just think it's a really interesting part of Star Wars that they've gotten away from. And Chad, like you were saying earlier, I mean, the Bothans were... In the EU, the Bothans were a big deal. Not anymore. They're, they're gone. Like, I don't remember the last time I saw or read about a Bothan.
2: char the Jedi. I mean, that's – that's I think they're only canon mentioned now. Yeah. I mean, they they may have been mentioned in a comic book or a book or something. But, like, as far as seeing them, no, we haven't. They We've gone back to Square One with the Bothans. Mm-hmm. They could probably – they could technically do anything they wanted with them. Yeah. Cause we don't know anything about them in Canon, but yeah, they were a huge force and and they were, you're right. They had that. um, They were very antagonistic towards the humans and Mm -hmm. there was a fair amount of racism towards the Bothans Mm -hmm. uh, from the new Republic side. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's not like they were bad guys, but like, I mean, even this, you know, Freya's got uh, a seer on the ground and she kind of has that moment where they realize like she's Bothan intelligence and she's like, yeah, I'm not telling you what I'm doing here.
2: Yeah, I mean, they, they made the Bothans out to be very... I mean, this comes from, from Zaun, right? From Heir to the Empire, right? That, yeah. That they were very political-minded, very secretive.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, very, to a, to a point conniving, at least Borsk is.
0: hmm
2: And, um, uh, yeah, no, it's a good point. They, they kind of have abandoned them. Um, right now, in the comics, they're telling the story of how the Rebellion finds out about the second Death Star. So far, there have been no Bothans. Now, I, th- I think the argument's going to be that the Bothans are the ones that let them know the Emperor is
1: coming—not
2: mm-hmm. about the Second Death Star, but that the Emperor is going to be there.
1: The Emperor's made a critical error, and the time for our attack has come. The data brought to us by the Bothan spies pinpoints the exact location of the Emperor's new battle station. We also know that the weapon systems of this Death Star are not yet operational. With the Imperial fleet spread throughout the galaxy in a vain effort to engage us, it is relatively unprotected. But most important of all, we've learned that the Emperor himself is personally overseeing the final stages of the construction of this Death Star. Many Bothans died to bring us this information.
2: Now, that is something we saw in the Expanded Universe in Shadows of the Empire. Right. Be interesting to see what they're going to do with it in the comics, but, uh,. Yeah, I don't think we've seen a Bothan at all.
0: And they seem to have been like, I guess, replaced in New Canaan. I mean, I don't know. Who would you say by the Torgutas or the Twilight Twi- Twi- Twi'leks? Like they I seem to be a lot of
1: Twi-Luis. Like,
0: yeah, lot. I
1: mean, get don't get me wrong. I like them, but they're everywhere. Yeah, they seem to have kind of taken that place.
2: Let's Let's talk about sex for a second. Oh, God. I how, forgot. I forgot how horny this book is.
1: There's almost a lot of sex.
2: There's almost a lot of sex. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of very, but it's very blunt about it. Like there's a mm-hmm. whole. There's the scene with Corin and Arisi where they get real, 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 real close, and then there's lots of talk about Gavin and the and the Bothan and in does it work, and then Corin who had an illicit affair with a what a um, Salonian.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Which like to see how that worked, mm-hmm. or would I? I don't know if I'd like to see how that worked or not. But um, he says it was a wonderful night.
0: Mm-hmm. I do love all the stuff once MiraX is there, and you've got MiraX, Corin, and Isla in the room together. Yeah, and he writes it really good, like how uncomfortable it is, but not in like a. I don't know how to explain it. It's not skeezy, and it's the ladies, like, messing with Corin. It's great. Yeah. And, like, rather than – I think it would have been really easy for them to make that relationship between the three of them to have the two ladies fighting over Corin, And instead, they're kind of making fun of him.
1: Um I listened to part of this book and this was honestly the best part of the book to listen to because Mark Thompson makes Gavin sound like the squeaky voice teen from the Simpsons. <laughs> so when he's having this talk with Corin, it's it's even better because it's so much more awkward on Gavin's end and then the the Corin end of the conversation is like, "Oh, snap. I got to have this talk with this stupid kid." Who, who made out with his cousins on Tatooine, like he's some kind of like desert planet slack-jawed yokel. I, one of my favorite
0: scenes in the book, though, is when Gavin is talking to his dad, and there's that scene that all the, the Darklighters go to this like vista and look out and kind of make the choice about their life. And Biggs did it, and he left. And the dad talks to him about, like, yeah, you have to leave. Like, now that you've seen this and you know what your destiny is. And then you've got that kind of sad where the dad says, I never looked out. And
2: Yeah. Yeah, I was taken by that scene, too. I I like the idea of world building the dark lighters a little bit, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of hokey as it may be that, oh, look, it's Biggs' cousin, you know, but... But if you can look past that, there's some interesting stuff about their family. Yeah, there's some good family stuff.
0: I love the. Uh, is he a lieutenant? Lieutenant Nita up on the mirror uh, yeah. station. And he's like trying to get them all hyped and was like, the Empire will always remember this day. And it was just like the solar lens turning back on. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, dude, whatever. So he's man. Captain
2: Nita's son? Nita, yeah. yeah. I, nephew. Or, or his something?
0: nephew, I think. <laughs> yeah he's like the need is will be remembered forever and then they're like nope we're giving up
2: yeah the crew's <laughs> like we don't have any guns here yeah <laughs> we are you're on shit duty for a reason
0: <laughs> what else yeah they do he does do a good job of world building Chorus on itself too we don't see the levels as much as we'd see later. I mean, they kind of go over the levels, but I do like, you know, they include all the solar mirrors and all the sky hooks and mm-hmm. the Golan defense station and all those things that were the big hallmarks of Coruscant later.
2: What year is this book? Uh,
0: uh, late 90s? 96.
2: 96,
1: yeah.
2: So it's the same year as Air to the Empire or Shadows of the Empire?
0: It's a year later.
2: Shadows is 95? 95. 95. Okay. So like, so Shadows, we got some Coruscant.
1: Yeah. Well, they okay. when they're doing a, a chase scene or something, I think they, they get in a cab and they go down some levels. It's just not heavily explored. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, it wasn't really very, very firmly established yet either, right? Like, I know Air to the Empire has a little bit of Coruscant in it. Um, mm-hmm. It has a different idea of like the, the Emperor's palace is very different from what it is in canon, mm-hmm. but we didn't see the planet until 1999. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of they're kind of working in this vague space of they know it's all one city, right? That's what they know, and they know that it's really tall apparently. But Lucas hadn't even really hadn't shown us it yet,
0: and even in 99, we don't see much. We mm-hmm. see the
2: temple. We get some CD. good shots of it, though, when they come when they get there.
0: Yeah, you don't see the levels, though. You don't really see yeah. like, the CD no. parts until no. attacking the clones.
2: Well, I guess you do see...
0: Do you see the warehouse in Phantom Men? No, you don't see the Mm-mm. Sheev's crappy warehouse.
2: Uh, I think there is one scene, but you don't see much about it. With him and Maul, when he sends Maul on the mission. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I-, I had a question. Do you think that it takes away from the book that Iceheart gives up the planet on purpose? Or is it Stackpole saying no fucking way could this actually happen if you know if there wasn't cooperation?
0: Yeah, I think he has to do it. Yeah,
2: because how else could you take a whole planet? I mean, we we don't have any experience yet in the world of how to take over an entire planet. We can do countries, but even that goes poorly most of the time, right? But taking over an entire planet's pretty tough. But I don't know. I just it felt like it took a little bit of the.
1: Well, it's it's a holdout.
2: I guess it's supposed to keep the victory subdued it's supposed to keep it so it's not a an overwhelming win for them i guess it's intentionally doing that but it just it felt a little anticlimactic at the end you know but i guess it's probably again it's probably meant to be
0: well and what i can't figure out with that i mean it's weird that you don't see the new republic take coruscant like it they show up and there's like two star destroyers or three yeah and they take it out. And they're like, yay, we have the planet. Like, that's Imperial City. Like, there are, on a planet of trillions, you figure there's got to be at least a billion stormtroopers down
2: there. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, like, how did that go? Did, like, Iceheart come over, like, the little comm in their ear and be like, all right, guys, I want you to fight, but not too hard. <laughs> like, yeah. we're, a couple of us are getting on out of here. But uh...
2: Yeah, they do kind of skip over the ground war.
0: Hmm.
2: I mean, we're gonna see more of that in the next book. I think mm-hmm. more, more of the the. Um,
0: you get some of the attrition stuff.
2: The attrition and just the the difficulty in holding it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, her idea is like, yeah, sure, let him have it. We'll just, we're just, it's just a scorched earth policy, right? She, he, mm-hmm. she's burning the bridges. She's instead, she's setting the Kratos trap. Huh. Hey, um, <laughs> which is the name of the next book? Uh, I, I was just wondering because it just felt. I had forgotten that she basically hands it to them. Yeah. She does leave lore back to like suffer. Right. She leaves him on the planet. I saw her bails and leaves him back. Yeah.
0: But I do like how he is like, yeah, I'm going to be number one. Like, yeah, I got this <laughs> like, buddy. You did not have it. No, you are like a crappy bureaucrat from Corsac. <laughs> like,
2: He's like the dude on Andor.
1: <laughs> yep.
2: <laughs> whose name. I can never remember.
1: Me but. either. Oh, God. That guy who vaguely looks like Kyle McLaughlin.
2: Vaguely, yeah, vaguely. Him and his mom.
1: So if I had a, a big undercover operation, I wanted to run. The first guys I would think of would be my crack pilot team. How did they get? How did they get this job? Because I still don't understand how Rogue Squadron got this job. They're uniquely
0: pseudified. That's what they say.
2: They did say in the first book that they were putting together a team. They were putting together a squadron that had other skills. They did make a point of that in the first book. I'm not saying that makes them the best people to do this. But I'm saying they did make a point to say that they wanted to assemble a, assemble a squadron that had a variety of outside of the cockpit skills. Mm-hmm. I, don't, you know, like, I don't know why Kraken's commandos aren't a better choice. I don't know why... Maydean's, uh Alliance Intelligence isn't probably the right choice. I mean, I guess you do have some of that there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, Winter winter's probably there on behalf of Alliance Intelligence, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I get the feeling like Wedge doesn't even think that he's the right guy for this job.
2: He doesn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of says that at the beginning, you know.
1: But he, like, throughout, just does not ever feel like he he's... The right man for the job so like well, I, I, I get it but you know they do have other skills especially people like corin and stuff but i just don't understand
2: i guess maybe what wedges reluctance is also plays into the end right where it's too, where he realizes it's too easy like yeah. he he uh, he sees that the task is impossible and so when they when they accomplish it it's like Oh shit! We weren't supposed to actually get this done. Like I didn't expect us to survive this. I didn't expect us to to mm-hmm. pull this off. And when they when he does, when they do pull it off, his first instinct is they must have let us.
0: Yeah. I think part of it too is you know they are the probably most loyal to Akbar, and yeah you know, there's all that stuff in the beginning about that kind of back and forth between him and Brosk about how they're going to do this. And he wants to put, I think he wants to put his own people in it first, which
2: yeah, that's possible obviously too.
0: has them there. And so I think Akbar's putting in the people he can trust. You know, there's all that give and take kind of stuff between the two of them about what this invasion is going to look
2: like. Plus they're just notoriously good at getting the job done. Mm-hmm. They're, they're lucky. They're, 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 they're competent, whatever you want to call them, but they have a reputation for mm-hmm. getting the job done now.
0: And they can yeah, improvise.
2: Yeah. They know how to improvise. They know it, it, it does sound silly. Uh, you would not just send your crack pilots, but they're also the stars of the book. So
0: hence why we end up with many speeder bike chases. Cause oh, there's there there starships.
2: Cause they're stuck on the planet.
0: Cause they're <laughs> yeah. stuck on the planet. Uh, that's another. Okay. Again, city-wide planet, a whole planet, and Corrin just happens to crash his speeder bike into the one safe house that a bunch of them are in.
2: May I interest you in the force?
0: I know. (laughs) That was his force power. That's Corrin's force power.
2: It could, you know, I'm just saying, if we want to explain away some stuff, may I interest you in some force? Mm -hmm. And it works in mysterious ways. I would like visually
0: to see one of these construction droids. The giant tear down a building, build a new one in two days.
2: Oh, yeah. Droid. Mm -hmm. That they kind of weaponize in this.
0: Which again, poor security on the Empire's part. Like, there's no way Iceheart knew they were going to do that. Well, you know, clearly she doesn't because they kill most of her virus or kill a lot of it. Yeah. It's pretty easy to take that thing over.
2: Now, do we learn the real mole in this? We didn't, no. did we? Okay. Mm-hmm. No, there's the you know, so they... She says it's Tycho at the end.
0: Yeah, yeah, she says it's Tycho. And that's one part I don't like, too, is Wedge. Like, how quickly he dismisses Corrin. Like, and I know he's loyal to Tycho. Yeah. But we know that she has got this thing now. You know, her brainwashing where she can kind of plant this.
2: Manchurian candidate thing.
0: Yeah, and activate you.
2: And Corrin, it's like, like Corrin a naked gun.
0: makes stuff up. Like, he's like, no, I, I saw him. He was talking to Lore. He's right there. And Wedge's like, nah, nah, nah that didn't happen. Nah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well.
1: No, you didn't. Mm-hmm.
2: I still remember, I don't think Tycho really is a, has turned, right? So, like, there's, a, there's somebody else. Yeah. But, and I was I was trying to remember if we learned in this one or not. The prisoner release thing didn't fly well with me either. It didn't make a whole lot of sense, so, and it didn't didn't really pay off that much.
0: I think if they had gone with like the long term fight for Coruscant, it would have made more sense. Right. Like if they're going to be on the planet a long time, like their plan is like, yeah, you know, we're putting them here to disrupt everything, blah blah blah. It would have, but they don't really do a lot of it.
1: Like you hear the empire,
0: like when Iceheart meets with lore, they talk about that it's happening, that there's been, you know, an increase in black sun activity and all those things, but you don't ever really see it. Like you said, it doesn't really it
2: doesn't add affect anything. to the
0: plot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they just kind of end up working with them yeah. um, until uh, I just found that part Sega of the plan sells him out.
2: I just feel that part of the plan was kind of sketchy. Yeah, it felt like filler material at the beginning of the book.
1: It's Um, it's to make the plan more simple. (laughs) It's so brilliant in its simplicity.
2: I do like that. They're all sent very hush hush. They're all sent by two by two undercover to separate parts of the planet to, to do their jobs, to have no contact with anybody. And then halfway through the book, they're all like, we should just work together.
1: Let's all yeah. have a party.
2: Let's all just work together. Well, we ran into each other. We ran into each other, so now we're just going to work together.
0: But then for a long time, like you know, with winter and all of them, they're like, "And Merrick's, I shouldn't tell you any extra parts of this plan. You don't know." And they make a big deal of it, and
1: then there's like, "And eh, never mind, like, yeah. whatever. We're all here. Let me I'll tell no, you why." The other forty people who know the plan. <laughs>
2: Well, and they don't even really have a plan, right? They're they're just there to scout things out, and then they just get word that they're getting antsy back home.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: And they've decided to go ahead and attack. You know, mm-hmm. I did like the thing with the I did like the plan with the interdictor cruiser. Oh yeah. Where they put that out on the, on the edge of the system. And so he basically has a stopgap in case the shields weren't down. I thought that was really cool.
0: Yeah. And I like that it's a turned imperial that's at the helm. And it's totally like, yeah, there's no way. I'm I'm, I'm hitting the switch.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But, I mean, yeah. I mean, overall, it's a decent book. But like you said, I think it just struggles being the kind of introduction to what's about to happen.
2: I, I would say my biggest problem with it is that, I don't know, I wanted the Battle of Coruscant to be epic. And it's not. Um, well,
1: and Stackpole usually excels with the battles.
2: Yeah, and he still does. He still does on the small scale. You know, the 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 speeder stuff is still well written and exciting. Mm-hmm. The
1: the so much of it.
2: You know, the 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 fighter stuff is still well written and exciting. It just there's something about the idea of the battle. The, like you said, there's like two store two two star destroyers waiting for him. Yeah. And that's it. And how far are we into the war? Three years. Three years, yeah. Yeah, till, till after the war. Mm-hmm. So, like, I can you we're imagine supposed to believe how, that they're that diminished after three years. I guess.
0: Think of how well Statpole could write the Battle of Coruscant from Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that space battle in the beginning, like he would write that so well.
1: I just think that you know, there's there's so much intrigue and stuff, and and I do think you know his awkward, sexy stuff is, is well written, but you know, he, he does so well with battles that I just don't feel like uh, the intrigue and stuff is, it's not his strong point. And I, I feel like the, the bigger Epic space battles is where he does really well. And there's, I,
2: I think you might be right. I mean, it's the, the series is called X wing and they really don't fly a whole lot in this book. And it kind of, you're kind of you're kind of reading it to get the space battle stuff.
0: I mean, at least Alphabet Squadron <laughs> kept him in their ships a lot of the time. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, and so did so did the first book. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and so will subsequent books. But this one has so much of them, just like you said, just dicking around on Coruscant that you don't get you don't get that stackpole feeling as much. You don't get that rush that you get from like you know because. When when he writes – a when he's in a really good dogfight, writing a really good dogfight, I don't even know if it's the big space battles he excels at. I think it's the small scale. Yeah, it's the
0: dog fighting. It's the dogfighting. The
2: dogfighting stuff. Yeah. When he does the dogfighting stuff, I'm on the edge of my seat. Even though I, half the words he's using are made up, mm-hmm. I still understand what he means.
0: Yeah, I was going to say like, look, I don't know how a plane flies. But when it hits the rudder panel, I'm like, oh, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Like. Yeah. Yeah. no and and for somehow part of the magic of, of his writing in these books is that you do understand you mm-hmm. can visualize what's happening even though it's all a bunch of made-up space nonsense you can still visualize it and, and it's really good and, and you're right maybe it just it wasn't um i don't know i still really like this book but i think maybe you're you're right that that the um this the shift uh, to this more land based spy craft thing wasn't his stronger strong suit. It's, it's possible.
0: And the freaking cover is like X wings flying away from an explosion. Yeah. With a Lambda shuttle that doesn't happen
2: in the book. Where's the Where is the Lambda shuttle in the book? <laughs> There's
0: no Lambda shuttle whatsoever in this book. I would like to note too, there are not one, not two, but three. If you believe that, you probably believe the katana fleet's around too. Everybody talks about the katana fleet—the <laughs> thing that like nobody. Yeah, that's, that, that's
2: retconning, is what that is. That—that's—that's uh-huh. that's saying like, oh, we have this new piece of information. Let's go back and seed it in all of our other things. And I mean, they're—they're they're attempting something new, right? They're attempting to create this connected, this connected expanded universe. You know, they bring up
0: Zior once. Yeah. Like they mentioned when ZR tried to take over and, Oh, I did. I, the other thing I did, like we talked about the museum earlier, but I did like her reasoning that like the pilots couldn't resist going to read about what the empire said about them because (laughs) they're all so like, they all have such humor. She's like, yeah, even you wedge and wedge is like, no, no, no. And then they like, you get his internal thinking and he's like, yeah.
2: Yeah. That's <laughs> true.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's right. <laughs> but I yeah. thought that scene overall was really good. Like explaining like what the Emperor did to the museum and how there's like whole sections walled off about the Jedi. And then there's the Darth Vader hologram. <laughs> that's like his most faithful servant. Um, and I forget sometimes that in the EU, I, and I don't think it's this way anymore, that they viewed vader as a jedi and that's like knowledge like public in the museum the jedi line ends with vader and he's yeah i love that big like hologram of him though and they're like he's the best
2: <laughs> <laughs> it is he it the only thing to make it better is if he talked and welcomed mm-hmm. you
0: yeah like lando and the lego star wars Yeah, like exactly
2: welcome exactly to like the that.
0: museum
2: exactly that would have been that would have been great and and awful. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been terrible. It's already pushing it, but Sheev yeah. is
1: super awesome. Let me tell you about my best friend Sheev.
2: I wonder who put that museum together though, because a lot of it's about because it also covers his death, right?
1: Oh yeah,
0: yeah. So
2: that one must have been Iceheart said put up update the museum. Seems like fairly low on their list of priorities would be to update the museum. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they're thinking and the thing is, it's like you said, it's one museum on a planet of a trillion people.
1: Well, she's she's waiting for them to, like, create these viruses and stuff. She's got to do something. She's twiddling her thumbs like, well, while I'm waiting.
2: Yeah, Yeah.
0: (laughs) that's like the imperial meeting. They're like going through. They're talking about, like, you know, this virus they're going to kill the world with and all these planets are blowing up. And then she's like, can someone give me an update on the museum? Like, yeah. Where are we with the museum? <laughs> what are we
2: doing with the new, with the the sheaves dead wing? <laughs> what exhibits do we have this week at the museum?
0: <laughs> the one museum, like,
2: <laughs> yeah, just the one museum we the have. One All museum,
0: one museum. Oh, yeah. So, X Wing the X Wing book without X Wings in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, talk about X Wings.
2: That may be its biggest flaw, just taking them out of the cockpits too much. Yeah. We're going to get more of that in Wraith Squadron. but Yeah. So, Ryan, what are we talking about next time?
0: Well, next week, next episode, we are going... Yeah, don't say next week. Yeah. <laughs> Several weeks. Uh, we will be leaving the world of literature and back to the, as Beth says, back to the beyond with the, a little show called Andor. It's, you know... It's all right. It's, it's, it's all right. He
1: can't swim, y'all. He can't swim. (laughs) He can't swim. (laughs) That was so upsetting.
2: Is he the only one who can't swim? That's the only thing that I don't understand. There's not one guy. Beth and I were talking before the show. There's not one guy from Tatooine or Jakku that's sitting in the back going like, I'm screwed on this plan. Can we have another plan?
0: Where did the rest of them go? That's like jumping in the ocean. Did you guys see how far they have to swim? I swim to like the crappy sandbar at the beach and I'm like, oh, God.
1: All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us, and we will talk to you all very soon.
0: Roger, Roger.